In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder if you're familiar with the concept of halls of fame. You probably are. It's very much a sort of American sport origin. The idea being that the heroes of a particular sport might be nominated and then inducted into the Hall of Fame for their contribution to their sport. Sometimes this might be a player, sometimes a coach, sometimes even a journalist or an official from the organisation. As you know, I like baseball, and baseball has a a big thing about the Hall of Fame. They like that idea of tradition uh, and the story of their game being passed on through the generations. And many of the greats have been nominated into the Hall of Fame. There might be a physical HQ. There might be a museum somewhere where folks can go and read the stories of these people. But in actual fact, these Halls of Fames, if you like, are like the cloud. There's not a physical place. It's just out there. They're just known as being part of the Hall of Fame. And in the UK in recent years, we have been adopting this idea in our sports, be it golf or rugby and football, of course. Halls of Fame are becoming popular. So take Scottish football. Who do we have in the Hall of Fame? Well, we've got Alex Ferguson, we've got Davy Cooper, we've got Joe Harper, we've got Charnel Nicholas, we've got Hugh McIlvanny, journalist. We've got the McCray Battalion of 1914. So posthumously, the story of that uh, group of footballers from Edinburgh and from surrounding east, east of Scotland joined up. And many of them, as we know, lost their life in the First World War. Aberdeen Football Club, who do we have? I'm not familiar with all these names. Bobby Clark... Who? I I know him. Uh (laughs) I only picked out the names I know, like Drew Jarvey, John Hewitt, Neil Cooper, and other household names. Motherwell, we've got Wee James McFadden. We've got... uh, Why are you laughing? (laughs) Uh, We've got Davy Cooper. We've got Phil O'Donnell, uh, sadly, no longer with us. Heroes. In these halls of fame, what I, I, I'm interested in is often the people nominated do more than just be good at their sport. They almost have gone the extra mile. They have done something, maybe charity work or working with the children, uh, training them up. They've done something more than just the standard. And this, I think, takes us to today's Hall of Fame in the letter of Hebrews. We have a list of heroes, and we only took the beginning and the end, but in the middle there was more heroes from Scripture mentioned, the great and the good of the Hebrew faith. We can well understand why there was a need for such a list in the early church. Imagine the early church They're becoming beleaguered and tired. It's not easy for them to keep the faith 
because the Jewish faith and indeed the Roman uh, society, they were more powerful than their wee church. And so they tried to keep strong. But doubts creep in. Faith feels shaky. They worship in underground churches, trying not to draw attention to themselves. They make secret signs in the sand and on the doorways so that they can keep under the radar, not harassed, not persecuted. And so can you imagine the strengths that that early church took from the story of their great heroes? Many were beaten for their faith or imprisoned. Property was being confiscated. Families were split. Some continued as Jews. Some became Christians. And so families went two different directions. And so the word from Hebrews became a powerful source of inspiration and encouragement for the current generation to hear of God's work through the past heroes was crucial. Remember their stories. Remember their faith. Remember their courage. Endure like them in these times. Sadly, in the Bible, and this is a bit of a digression, sadly in the Bible, of course, it's very male-dominated. In that list, it's nearly all men. But today, if the story was being written we would add the names of people such as Deborah, Queen Esther, Ruth, and Lydia. Let's remember that today. There's something quite important in these stories that I think we should consider today. In each of the stories, we see that the hero never actually lived to see the fulfillment of their endeavor. They did not see the outcome for themselves. Spill the Beans describes them as story keepers, keepers of the light of faith, keeping faith alive despite the power of the world to extinguish it before they pass it on to the next generation. It's the same for Abraham and Moses and Elijah and the rest. They do their bit and they pass it on. It harks of the famous verse from Hebrews about running the race with endurance. And that comes at the start of the next chapter. This unknown writer of Hebrews is telling people, keep going, endure, Run the race, even if you don't get the prize, even if you don't see the fruits of your labor. The prize in itself is just being in the race, carrying out your faithful service is prize and reward enough. Now, that's important for us to hear. After all, we live in an age where people demand to see the end product. We love instant success, and we're often impatient to attain it. I wonder if you're like me. Sometimes you really feel it's your duty 
to change this world. That only changing the circumstances around you would be the sign of your faithfulness to God. Do you feel the weight of burden that your faith places on you to be a saint, to be a devoted disciple, to be a follower? And do you sometimes get frustrated because you don't see any results to the effort you're putting in? Nothing seems to be changing. Sometimes seeing faith in such a light can leave you feeling more that faith is an obligation than it is a doorway to joy. I'm glad that here in Manifield, in a refurbished building, in fact, I even think it was the case before that time, there was no Hall of Fame, as I call it, that gallery of photographic evidence of your predecessors. And I've spoken about this before, but I remember particularly sort of doing pulpit supply and going to other churches, and in these old vestries, the first thing you saw were these steely eyes of old, worthy ministers. And the eyes followed you as you were walking around the vestry getting ready to deliver your service, and you thought, how can I compete with them? I think if I saw these faces of, our pre, of my predecessors Sunday by Sunday, I would run a mile. If it were a numbers game, I would feel a failure in this generation compared to the previous 50, 70 years of growth in church membership. How do you feel as an elder or as a committee convener or as a committee member? How do you feel as a member of the Kirk today? Do you feel pressure of expectation? As if others present or from the past are judging you on your efforts? I'm not saying that there shouldn't be challenge in the faith that we follow. Evidently, as we read in Scripture, we know that there is. There is a responsibility to be the best we can be, to be the best version of ourselves that we can make ourselves, to think not inwardly, but to love outwardly, to follow the example of Jesus and to live up to that example. But I know in these crucial times for the Church of Scotland and the Church in Scotland, in the light of the Presbytery Plan, in the light of talk of radical change to structure, I also know that in the increasing bereavement uh, of church families, that because of the generation of church, we are losing an awful lot of our familiar faces. We are losing our family. I know that I need to train myself to a position where I don't think that it's all on me, that saving the church is all on me, that the future of the Kirk will depend on me. 
And I think we all need to have such a sense. Because if the pressure that comes from thinking that it's all on me, it's all on us, gets to a point where joy and enthusiasm and the sense of blessing is lost in our faith, what advert is that for those that we seek to reach out to? How would that attract anybody to want to have some of this faith that we think is so great? We need to make sure that in the mix of challenge and responsibility and jobs to be done, that we don't lose that sense of joy, happiness and positivity that has to come, that must be at the very centre of our faithful living. There needs to be a sense of balance and perspective in the times we find ourselves in. And when we consider the fact that even in the stories of the heroes of the aforementioned Hebrews, even in that hall of fame, these people don't see the work of their success. They don't see their effort being fully accomplished. Then we realize that the same will be true for us. We are not in this thing to see the results. We're not in this thing called faith works just to see the prize at the end of the day. We're not in the business of building the kingdom as a self-employed disciple working solo. We're not in this alone. And we're not expected to finish the job. It's a job that has no end, but is an eternal work in progress until God decides it's done. It's the running of the race that is the prize. It is living the life of faith that is the source of blessing and joy. Folks, we live in that in-between time, between now and not yet. And this is a position that calls for faith. The stories of these named in Hebrews Hall of Fame is a story that can give us encouragement as we retell these stories, we find our place in the ongoing story of this very same faith. In these stories, we find an invitation for each one of us to play our part, to do what we can, but to do the story not with a sense of obligation and responsibility, sucking out all joy from our lives, but instead making sure that as we live faithfully, we discover joy and blessing in doing the work of God. Amen.